What an honor to be here with you today. Uh, as my new brother in Christ said, I am really overwhelmed by what I've experienced uh, this weekend. Started on Friday night with 1,100 men worshiping God, and I don't think there's a greater expression of worship than men who are unashamed and unafraid to show their love and affection for Jesus Christ. When men worship, it changes communities. When men worship, it changes cities. When men worship, it changes nations. When men worship, families are stronger. When men worship, children are healthier. When men worship, marriages have more romance. When men worship, they have a fresh and proper perspective on who God is. And what I saw here with 1,100 men at River Valley showed me that this church is alive and quite well, and that God is doing great and significant things. And then yesterday to have two services on a Saturday, and then again, two services here on Sunday. And this is Minnesota. This is not the Bible Belt. So God is doing something significant in this community, and I want to celebrate it. I want to give Pastor Rob and his wife a very hearty, happy 25th anniversary. And, uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing. I, I am married. My wife was not able to travel with me because she is taking care of our 18-month-old son and our soon-to-be seven-month-old daughter. And so, yeah, I keep her pregnant. That's, um, <laughs> that's my biblical mandate, to be fruitful and multiply. I shared with the fellas on Friday that my mother asked me to be a virgin when I got married. I was 13 at the time and unattractive, so it was not a problem to honor her word. It's one thing to live holy. It's another when you don't have options. So I was 37 when I got married, and we waited until we were married to come together. And so I am making up for lost time. So I encourage all of our young people to maintain purity in your body. If there are any teenagers in here, young people, maintain your integrity and guard yourself and, and honor God with uh, that area of your life, and he will honor you in the years to come. Having said that, this is uh, just an amazing church, and I want to talk uh, today about the head of the church. I just want to talk about Jesus for a few minutes before the game starts before Adrian Peterson runs for 500 yards today, before the Vikings turn the Panthers into kittens, I want to talk to this great church about Jesus. You know, the church can sometimes get a little off center talking about other things other than Jesus, but we are not just a bunch of folk hanging out in a social club. We are the church, the supernatural hands and feet of the living expression of Jesus Christ. And we need to get back to the main thing. Too many churches are open today that are talking about other things, but we need to get back to talking about Jesus, the character of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the power of Jesus, the authority of Jesus. And let me help you to understand, since we're just now meeting, this is your first time meeting me, my first time meeting you, let me let you know my theology before I speak. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. 
I believe he is the first begotten of the dead. I believe he was born of a virgin named Mary. I believe he's the rightful heir to the throne of David according to scripture. I believe according to Matthew 17 that he is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. I believe he lived a sinless life. I believe he died on a Roman cross for my sins. I believe that he died and was dead for three days, but did not stay dead. He rose on the third day with all power in heaven and in earth. And one day he will crack the sky according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 at the last trumpet sound with the holy angels and the dead in Christ will rise first and those that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. I believe Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. I believe his blood is enough to forgive you of all your sins. I believe he's still able to heal, deliver, and save free and I believe in an age of cynicism and moral relativism and secular humanism that the name of Jesus should be lifted up above the very best ideas of men I believe that the name of Jesus should be lifted up above the ideas of politicians I believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world and as the hope of the world I cannot be quiet about how good he's been to me I know they want me to be quiet about my Jesus but if you want to be loud about your sin I'm going to be loud about my Jesus because he's been just that good to me will anybody join me in giving Jesus a great praise this morning Jesus is a very offensive figure in history you can talk about God all day, because God is whatever people think in their own mind. But when you take the concept of God and bring him into the form of a man named Jesus, now people are very offended because Jesus represents truth and you can't manipulate truth. You can't maneuver around truth. You can't turn truth into something that's comfortable for you. Truth stands and it is what it is. And in this day and age where people want to do what they want and live how they want, the church stands in stark contrast saying this is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And I know it's not a popular thing to say, but it is our faith. And for people who do not choose to believe what I believe about Jesus, that's all right. We all have personal choice, but you can't deny that he lived. Jesus living is a matter of historical record. That he lived is a matter of clear written history, but that he lives is a statement of my personal faith. He still lives. I've been trying to sing all day, even with a sore throat from preaching four times, but I grew up in a small Baptist church in Cincinnati and we used to sing hymns. Some folk today, y'all don't know anything about hymns, but back in the day we would sing hymns. And one of those songs was, he lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within 
my heart. He lives. Anybody else feel like waving their hand? Because Jesus lives. I like this 11 o'clock service. They're a little rowdy. That's what I'm talking about. Woohoo! I'm passionate about Jesus. And anything you love, you can't be quiet about. We love our sports teams. We love our Timberwolves, our Vikings. We love our North Stars. We love our teams. We love our links. We love them. But I've decided that I'm not going to shout louder for a team that doesn't know me than the God who saved me. Jesus deserves everything I've got. But how do we take the knowledge of Jesus that we've got? How do we take this beautiful atmosphere? How do we take what River Valley represents and extend it beyond those red exit signs? How do we become the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world? I would offer that this church has one of the few opportunities in this region to see supernatural explosive growth because of the power of God that's at work in this room. This church and the multi-site campuses from Faribault, Edina, Swaziland, Savage, which is the greatest name ever, Savage. <laughs> I want to go to that campus. I'm Savage! <laughs> Take your medicine, Savage! God has given this church an opportunity to extend itself beyond the safe confines of our familiar surroundings. How do you take your Jesus and offer him to other people? The Bible says in Matthew 28, go out into the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says go out. Didn't say, hey, open the doors because they're coming in. No, because folk that are drinking, partying, smoking, sleeping around, they're not just going to stop on Sunday morning like, you know what, I'm drunk, but I feel like going to River Valley. <laughs> You've got to go get them because they're not coming in. And the problem with the church is we become very comfortable in our safe zone. And there's nothing wrong with being around familiar people. We all want to be connected to people that we have common ground with, commonality, familiar faces. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. <laughs> but God says there's some people that don't know my son's name. And I need you to introduce them to my son through the life that you live. The Bible says that we are living epistles. There are 66 written books, but you and I are book 67. We are a living letter. And are you offering and showing and presenting enough Jesus that somebody else wants to get to know him? If not, I'm going to lovingly challenge you today to extend beyond your comfort zone, to begin to do your best to win souls to the kingdom. 
Jesus needs to be seen. We need Jesus back in our schools. We need him on our college campuses. We need him back in the boardroom. We need him in our government. We need him on a legislative level, on a local scale. We need Jesus everywhere we can get him. Can we legislate him? Of course not. We're past those days. But you can't stop me from praying over my son's school. You can't stop me from praying over my kids. I can walk in. You won't even know I'm praying. I'm just humming, but I'm praying while I'm humming. You can't stop that. You don't legislate that. That's who I am. And what we need to understand is even though being a Christian is not popular right now, it doesn't change that we're not here to be popular. We're here to be relevant. We are called to walk this walk in spite of Society that tells us we're silly for believing in faith and we're silly for believing in Jesus. And why don't you let your kids decide for themselves what they believe? That's foolishness. The Bible says train up a child in the way they should go. And when they get old, they will not depart from it. Oh, just let them explore. Let them search. Let them learn for themselves. Let them explore their bodies to figure out who they are. That is the worst theology I've ever heard. You don't let your kids explore traffic. <laughs> Why don't you explore that Clorox? Drink a little bit of that and see how that works out for you. Why would I allow my children to make bad decisions under my care to make people who are not raising my children feel better about their bad psychology? I am not going to lend my children to people who are not an extension of my value system. We need Jesus back on the playground. We need him everywhere that we can get him. The problem is society has not seen an accurate picture of the real Jesus. You know, there's a Jesus that we have in our mind, then there's Jesus as he actually is. A lot of us have a cultural interpretation of Jesus. See, I grew up in a black church in Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm so glad to be in a white church. I don't know what to do because y'all services are like 30 minutes long. <laughs> when I grew up, church started at 11 on Sunday and was over 2 o'clock on Tuesday. Here you get to drink your coffee and talk and you got lounges and they got flat screen TVs and barbecue on a Friday for men. Clearly God is in the building. Any church with brisket is from Jesus. The only problem I have with this church is the green room. They got broccoli florets and carrot stalks and ranch dressing and something called hummus. So I asked him, I said, hey, did you see my picture? Does it look like I dine on broccoli florets? What's your problem? Are you trying to dishonor my hard work? 
Do you know how hard I work for this body? This is doubles with cheese late at night, french fries dipped in the frosty so I can have my vegetables and dessert at the same time. This I worked for. I don't fast, I slow. <laughs> <laughs> this wonderful church has been given an opportunity to show who Jesus actually is. I grew up in the 70s where they made a whole lot of movies about Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ Superstar, the greatest story ever told. There were all these movies and they all were the same. They had this Jesus with brown hair and a beard and a white robe and brown sandals. And he always had a British accent, which was fascinating because he lived in Israel 2000 years ago. So they'd always be in the movie and Jesus would be like, let us go to Jerusalem. What do you think, Peter? I think that's a good idea, sir. What about you, John? Jolly good, sir. Wonderful old chap. What about a spot of tea before we walk on water? <laughs> I'm not talking about the color. I don't care what color Jesus was. I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about is who he actually was in his mission. Blood of Jesus is what I care about. As long as his blood was red, that's all that matters because his blood unifies the body of Christ. The same blood that saved you saved me, which makes us blood related. Oh yeah, I'm your brother. And I'm a brother and I'm your brother. Put me on the Christmas card, scare the neighbors. Hey, Bob, who's the Negro? Hey, he's my brother. I just found out. I didn't even know. I just found out. I didn't know. And see the resemblance there. <laughs> Today, I want to talk to you from the subject heading, The Real Jesus. The Real Jesus. What we need is an accurate picture of who Jesus is. And in John chapter 4, reading from the New King James Version, we see a story of how Jesus interacted with people that didn't come from where he came from, didn't come from his side of the tracks, didn't come from his cultural place of connection. And if the body of Christ and if River Valley is going to move to the next level, you're going to have to extend beyond your safety net and begin to build bridges with people who've never heard of your Jesus. And you gotta do it with love and compassion. And you gotta do it in a way that wins souls, not scares them. Jesus models for us how we interact with people who are not saved, who don't know all of our songs, who don't understand that the worship team has to wear skinny jeans. This, He was up here playing guitar. I was like, Lord, keep him. Keep those pants, Jesus. Keep them. I tried to wear skinny jeans one time. The button on the front was just like, oh, no. This is, you too fat, man. Don't do this. We need more real Jesus in the church. 
So here's a story about how Jesus interacted with people who didn't come from where he came from. I'm reading John chapter 4. I'm going to read fast. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sukkar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. So it was very hot. He was thirsty. He was tired. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy some chicken wings. That's in the NIV. That's the Negro International Version. You purchase it in the lobby. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. I want to talk to you about the real Jesus. This story shows a very marked distinction that we still have today. We have cultural differences and issues that divide us along familiarity. But God says, I want you to step away from your comfort zone, and I want you to begin to consider that there are other people who need to know what you know about me. Jesus was in Judea, baptizing some folk. He was doing well. Church was growing. Things were expanding. His name is getting bigger. Things are well here. Church is expanding. Multi-site campuses, Swaziland, Edina, Faribault, Savage, Apple Valley. <laughs> Things are well here. Jesus said, I could stay here and it could be great but I've got another assignment. I need to get to Galilee, but before I get there, I gotta go through Samaria. Now, I'm not a biblical scholar, but I have maps in the back of my Bible. So in the map, it shows you that Judea was here, Galilee was here, Samaria was here. Why would you go this way to get there? It's a straight shot, but God said you've got an assignment with somebody that doesn't even know they need you until you get there. I need you to go out of your way. And today, I'm lovingly challenging you to consider that God wants you to do him a favor and go out of your way. See, this church is amazing. You're gifted. 
You're beautiful. Look at you. You're smart. You've got all of these skills. It's unfair. Why don't you guys spread out and go to a couple churches? It's too much goodness in here. It's not even fair. You guys are amazing. But Jesus is saying, hey, I'm going to need somebody to do me a favor. And nothing's more inconvenient than a favor. I've had people ask me to do favors, and I always say, yeah, the problem is I should have asked them what they wanted before I said, yeah. Hey, John, can you do me a favor? Sure. No, wait, what do you want? <laughs> and they'll always be, they'll say something like, hey, can you give me a ride to church? Oh, gas is $4 a gallon. You live 30 miles from where I live on the other side of town. Going to pick you up is out of the way. Can't you just watch online? It's called a favor because you've got to go out of your way. It's not a favor if he lived on my street. That's a ride. <laughs> a favor is when it costs you something. And God's saying the church has become too comfortable. I need you to go ahead and move in a direction that will cost you something, cost you some comfort, cost you your safe zone. Jesus went into a city of Samaria called Sukkar. The name Sukkar literally translates drunk. What? Why would the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God be caught in such a filthy, deplorable, sin-filled place? Because it's not the healthy that need a doctor. It's the sick. And oh, that the church would awaken and realize that you weren't always as good as you are now. May we never forget where the blood found us. May we walk in humility for those who don't know him. May we never thumb our nose up to people as they're coming into the knowledge of Jesus. Jesus went into a city, not a region, not even a neighborhood. The city was called drunk. So the whole city was just... Oh, give me a home where the buffalo... I love you. You're, no, 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 listen, I, I mean it. No, I really mean it. I love you. Why do drunk people cry from what I've heard? Um, never seen it myself. So Jesus sat by the well, and he waited until his assignment showed up. Now, I need you to understand Culturally, Jews and Samaritans did not hang out. It was as, as different as the Hatfields and the McCoys, as different as the Bloods and the Crips, as different as Apple Valley and South Central LA. It was different. They didn't hang out, didn't grow up together, didn't come from the same place. And Jesus saw this woman coming. And I need to use my comedic hat to kind of demonstrate how different these two people were. So here's Jesus seeing this woman and he has his Jesus beard and he sees the woman walk up and he says, give me a drink. And the woman is like, first of all, you don't even know me. Why are you even talking to me? Okay, because you don't know me. You don't know my people. Why are you all up on our well? All right, this is Southside Samaria represent. All right, you don't even know me. Why are you all up on my well? Why you look like you from Duck Dynasty? Why your hair all long? Why you got that beard? Why you got on that choir robe? And why do you have a British accent? England ain't even been made yet. That's like 2,000 
years from now. Hello. So then Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God and who it was who asked you for a drink of water. Wait a minute, did I turn into Schwarzenegger? If you knew who I was, you would ask me and I would give you the living water. She was like, first of all, Mr. Terminator, I'll be back. You don't even know me, okay? You don't have nothing to dip in the well. I got the bucket. You don't even have a bucket. You don't even know me like that. Hello, represent Southside Samaria. Hi. So then Jesus is like, you know what? I want to continue the dialogue, but I don't want you to feel like I'm trying to disrespect you. Why don't you go get your husband? We'll continue the conversation. And she was like, well, now that you brought it up, I don't even have a husband. You are kind of cute. Jesus was like, hold on. I'm, I'm Jesus. I walk on water. I don't even like you like that. I don't even like you like that. I'm saved. I am salvation, okay? And Jesus modeled for us two things. First, that the church needs to be. He was intentional and he was uncomfortable. He moved in the direction of the assignment, even though it took him out of his way. The church needs to become intentional and uncomfortable. And then the next three things he did in this conversation is what the church sometimes misses. He was relational, relatable, and relevant. He knew the needs of the woman. He knew her situation, but he didn't beat her up. He saw her at the point of her need. He engaged her in dialogue, and he honored her in her brokenness. Oh, that the church would stop judging people before they come into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We are not the judgers. Leave that up to God. We are the ones that extend the love of God. Let the Holy Spirit do the inside work. Our job is to win them. Let's not beat people up. Let's love them into the kingdom. For the Bible says it was with loving kindness that I've drawn you to myself. So Jesus said, hey, why don't you go get your husband? She says, I'm not married. And Jesus took a natural conversation and then added his super to it. Now it became supernatural. And he said, you know what? You're not married. Matter of fact, you've been married five times. And the man that you're with now, you just living with. You're not even married to him. The woman was like, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold up. Who told you my business? Who told Shaniqua, did you tell him my business? Shaniqua, did you tell this man my business? How did he know my business? See, I didn't even know Shaniqua was in the Bible. Now you know. <laughs> Notice that even though Jesus knew this woman was in a sinful situation, he didn't beat her up. The worst thing Christians can do is be weird and creepy. You ever seen a creepy Christian? I'm going to tell you what right now, you better get yourself to church. You better give your life to Jesus. Because if you don't, you're going to burn in a hot lake of fire for the rest of eternity. And worms are going to eat your stomach out. I can promise you that. <laughs> you're weird. 
You're scaring people. Plug your hole. We need the love of Jesus that says, hey, I know you're going through a tough time, but I know somebody that can heal you. I know somebody that can save you. I know somebody that can redeem you. No, your God wouldn't want somebody like me. Oh, yes, he would. He wants somebody exactly like you. He couldn't love me. Oh, he loves you this much. He stretched his arms out and he took your death so you could live his life. That's the real Jesus. And Jesus said to this woman, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for a drink and you'd never thirst again. She said, sir, where is this living water? She said, I'm the living water. If you knew who I was, you wouldn't need a man to validate your femininity. I can fill the empty place that five husbands and a live-in boyfriend never could. Jesus was the first man who did not use that woman for her beauty. He said, I want you to know what real love is, what pure love is, what covering is and forgiveness. He covered that woman in her brokenness. He didn't judge her. The Bible says she ran to her village and said, come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. And the Bible says to finish the story that many people in her village got saved because Jesus was willing to have an intentional, uncomfortable, relational, relatable, and relevant conversation. What can you do if you will extend yourself beyond your comfort zone? God is looking for some people who will leave here after the game and decide that they are going to be the hands and feet of Jesus no matter how uncomfortable it makes you. Now, am I telling you to run down to the hood of Minneapolis singing Kumbaya and passing out popcorn? No. Lock your door and drive through there. Hurry up. <laughs> Don't mess around. But I am saying that there's somebody in your life that needs what you carry. And as my brother Chris plays the spiritual music signaling that my time is up, <laughs> Very subtle. Um, <laughs> may this church arise to the power of God in a new way. May you awaken to the authority that River Valley has been given to extend yourself beyond your safe zone, to win the lost at any cost, becoming the hands and feet of Jesus to a lost and dying world, to become intentional, uncomfortable, relational, relatable, and relevant. Some people may never step foot in this church, but it doesn't mean that they may not see the real Jesus. You carry Jesus wherever you go. May people see Jesus in you. And not TV Jesus, but the real Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters today. That you would, I ask that you will bless them, strengthen them, encourage them. Thank you for the great people of this church at every campus. And I pray that you will give them a heart for the lost at any cost. 
I ask that you will continue to build this church one family at a time, strengthening marriages and covering children and blessing each and every individual. Let today be a turning point in our passion. Let us take our love for you up another level and share the goodness of Jesus with those who don't know. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.